What's up, everybody? This is Jordan Rossler and Derek Ambrosen from the Dynasty Builders Podcast, part of the DLF family of podcasts. Each week, we use film analysis, rookie breakdowns, ADP, analytic tools, and a dose of humor to ensure that you get actionable and practical advice from each and every episode to help you build a dynasty. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Hey, it's another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. I am Dan Myler. It's week six, guys. The bye weeks have begun, so we're dealing with that. Matt, we're also dealing with a lot of injuries. Seems like they're coming in hot and heavy right now. Yeah, this was uh, at least like the first half of the morning games was a pretty rough, rough outing for, for fantasy purposes and, and for injury purposes, like you mentioned. Uh, the second second half of the morning games were better. The afternoon games were kind of hit and miss, too. So kind of, a, kind of an up and down day for us. Brian, you can tell Matt's a West Coaster because he calls, calls them the morning game. <laughs> uh, it's the early afternoon and late afternoon games for us uh, Central Timers and Eastern Timers. Ryan, how you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm a little jealous of that. I know I, I've got to stay up until midnight to watch these night games on, <laughs> on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. So I, I, I like the idea of a morning game. Yeah, morning game. That morning game on Sunday, though, this week, Matt, that was Ooh. that was a real early. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, 6.30 in the morning. I was not up until like 7, 7.30, so I caught like a half of that game, if that even. Eh, you didn't so you did much. the savvy thing. You were setting lineups like late <laughs> oh, Saturday yeah. night, oh, yeah. right? You're, you're getting I mean, I don't, I don't usually stock my teams with Dolphins and Jaguars anyway, so, you know, I don't have to <laughs> usually have to worry about that. But <laughs> your, your team's full of Jags, Matt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Perfect way to start this week's episode. <laughs> it's the week six Dynasty Reactions wep- episode, and we're going to uh, re- pretty much react to everything that happened in in week six, everything, all the Dynasty perspective that we need going into week seven. We always start on Thursday night, guys. Uh, this week, we you know, we've been spoiled with these really good games. This one didn't quite qualify. It ended up kind of close, a six-point win for the Buccaneers, 28-22. to Tom Brady... Played excellent, but not for your fantasy team. Guys, it felt like coming out of this game, you know, there's always something that happens on Thursday night that everybody wants to talk about for the next few days. Seemed like the topic uh, that Dynasty and fantasy owners were really interested in was quarterback scoring. Brady played so good this week. 297 yards, a couple of touchdowns, threw a pick. Just about 15 points in your fantasy league, though. And then you turn around and look at Jalen Hurts, who who looked awful throwing the ball, 115 yards, threw a touchdown, threw that pick, uh, looked uncomfortable throughout the whole game in the pocket, but 10 carries for 44 yards and two kind of kind of garbage second half touchdowns. Uh, he ran in scrambling, and he ends up scoring somewhere between 20 to 26 or 27 points, depending on your scoring system. So now everybody's talking about how it should be 20 or 25 yards per for for per point for rushing quarterbacks. I, I don't know about any of that guys and you can sh- surely comment if you want to, but to me this was enough for me to 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 move on from Jalen Hurts as a dynasty a long-term dynasty asset. I'm not thinking about him in 2022 anymore and he's still scoring a lot of points for us on our fantasy teams, but that fantasy success is is far different from his NFL failures. And these coaching staffs, the, the Eagles offense does not look like one that that can last over a long time. It can't it's not sustainable. And a lot of that is because of Hertz's inabilities in the pocket and to deliver the ball to open receivers. They're going to make a change at some point. And dynasty managers, at least the savvy ones, are going to move on from him sooner rather than later, whether you're a contender or not. We talked a lot about Hertz this offseason, and and at one point I said, you know, I just kind of threw my hands up. I don't know what to do with Jalen Hurts. I don't know what to expect. And even after now six weeks of high-level production following the strong end of season he had last year, I'm still kind of at that point. I definitely see your side, and when I watch him play, 
overall, just from an NFL standpoint on the field, not super impressive. That's that's pretty obvious. On the other side, I, I see how hard it is to get a quarterback, first of all. I mean, there's sure. there's a dozen teams in the league that would love to have Jalen Hurts uh, leading them right now. So you you have to wonder if they're content to stick with him, especially on that, that cheap contract. Um, they will also have three picks that look like they're all going to be top 10 or 12 picks right now. So if they if they want to replace him, as you suggest, they're going to have the chance, uh, whether it's sitting wherever they end up and, and grabbing a quarterback, or if they're going to package those, those picks up and move up, you know, to the top spot or the second spot, whatever it might be, they'll have the chance to replace him if they want to. Um, I don't know. It, it does feel like we had some of these same conversations about Lamar Jackson or, or Josh Allen early in their career. Um, I, I don't, I don't see that type of talent with Hertz, but again, I, I'm still just kind of on the fence with him. I'm, I'm not, I'm not paying the price that I've seen him go for in, in trades, especially super flex leagues. And that is why I want to trade him yeah. right now yeah. because you're still, you're, you're almost getting elite type levels. And the thing with Hertz is I can't remember the last time I saw him make a throw like Lamar or like. Allen did early in their careers a throw now not not one of these spectacular runs or break away and, and make the the throw that most quarterbacks could make but it looks amazing because he got out of a sack or whatever it's more of standing in the pocket threading it between two defenders feathering it over a linebacker and in front of a safety he doesn't make those kind of plays they don't exist in that Eagles offense he's he's incapable in my opinion so I'm a hundred percent sure that Jalen Hurts will not be an elite fantasy asset in a couple of years. I'm a hundred percent sure. I'm I just don't think on. it matters for fantasy, Dan. I mean, I, I I understand your point, and it does if you're in a super flex league and he's going to suddenly be worth nothing. Th- so I think the scenario where he's worth nothing is, let's say they bring in, like you said, either a high end rookie or maybe they trade for Deshaun Watson eventually, and that situation works out, and he just ends up as a backup. But I think that. You know, if if that's not the case, if they trade him, if they if they for some reason cut him, like some team is going to want to take a chance on him. some coach is going to have the ego that he can turn Jalen Hurts into an NFL starting quarterback. And when he's on the field, we've seen the rushing production for Superflex leagues. Like we, there's what there's seven eight guys that we can talk about that really make a difference with their legs, and he's the cheapest of that of that, of that group. Uh, I mean, I don't know what prices you're seeing. I certainly haven't looked at them recently. If you're getting multiple firsts for a guy like Jalen Hurts, then absolutely move on. But if it's a single first and he's like your quarterback three, like, and it's going to be a late pick, like I like at that point, like I don't know like what the what the cost benefit uh, risk is there. Uh, so I don't know. I can see your point, but I think I'm more lean towards Ryan. Like I kind of want to wait and see. And if he is on my roster and I can't get you know an elite package like you're talking about, like he's a quarterback, he runs, he's a difference maker from a fantasy standpoint. So I think I'm willing to hold unless I get that elite package. I don't know. I, I don't see it. Marcus Mariota is a far better passer. Not quite the athlete, of course, and he's rotting on a bench, and there's still people pounding the table that he should be a starting quarterback. Colin Kaepernick, he had all the off-the-field stuff, too. Just as athletic, just the same kind of passer, and couldn't even get a sniff. And, you know, you can say <laughs> what you want about the off-the-field stuff. But if, if you really need a quarterback as bad as everybody's suggesting, those kind of guys would be quarterbacks. And Jalen Hurts is in that mold, in my opinion. He's going to be a backup in inside of two years. And those of us that have him on our on our dynasty rosters should be doing what we can to get that that first round pick plus, which is what Ryan and I were talking about. That's a, those are the kind of deals we're starting to see in or continue to see in these super flex leagues. There are other topics to talk about inside of this game, though, and maybe even after the game, I guess, or, or before, depending on what reports you, you read. Uh, inside the game, Leonard Fournette, Matt, he looked pretty good. Once again, 22 carries, 81 yards, and two touchdowns. Also caught six passes, all six of his targets for 46 yards. So Fournette, if 
if you have him on a roster, um, he's certainly pulling his weight. Yeah, he's someone who I was looking at early earlier in the offseason as buying for a second-round pick and was able to do that in, in, in several leagues. Uh, and, you know, the scare was there about Gio. You know, he was coming on board. He's going to be the new James White. He's going to get all of these receptions. And that was true in week three when he had nine catches and ten targets. But otherwise, you know, he hasn't been nearly as involved. Maybe it's this high ankle sprain he came into the season with. I'm not sure. It seems like if they're in a, a game script where they have to play hurry up like they did against the Rams uh, in week three, then Gio's probably the guy. But otherwise, it seems like it's Fournette, and he's been a fringe running back one this season. Uh, you know, he's finished, I think he was the running back four uh, coming into the last week, something like that. Uh, he's had at least three targets and three receptions in every single game. So, you know, he's, we're looking at if he keeps up this pace somewhere in the 50 to 60 catch range, which is what we want to see from, you know, really from a running back one type production. Uh, so, I mean, at this point, I think it's, it's kind of an inflection point for him. I think if you want to get out for a first, you absolutely should. But if for some reason someone's still hanging around and wants to get rid of him for a second, I think he's a buy opportunity at that point. Maybe you need to send, uh, maybe you want to send your first for him in a second or him in a third, something like that. But I do think this is a point in time where he could be moved either direction if he is on your roster and you either need to buy or sell a running back, especially with the way uh, running back rankings look this week uh, and will be for the foreseeable future, I think. Yeah, I like Fournette. Definitely have been impressed with him. Uh, currently heading into the Sunday night game, he's the RB1 on the week. Uh, that's his first RB1 game. Uh, he's the overall RB1, I should say. Uh, but that's his first time among the top 12 this season. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't... I, you know, it's so it's so hard in in dynasty because we have that week to week recency bias, and especially a game like that, that island game. Everybody, every dynasty player, every fantasy player was watching that game, and and was of course impressed with what he did. Because of that, maybe you have a selling window. I don't think you can get a first. If you can, I think you have to do that almost no matter what where you are in the standings it, it's in the it's in the trade finder in multiple instances i mean say whatever you want about the trade finder but they are actual trades and they've gone for he's gone sure, for a first sure. uh multiple times he's gone for a second multiple times so i think he's right in that range uh depending on what you want to do with right him. yeah I, I completely agree the usage is exactly what we want as fantasy players you see fournette getting those 22 carries and six catches out of the backfield ronald jones had five carries for 20 yards uh, also caught one pass, and then Gio Bernard just caught his two passes. He's he's getting all the usage in that backfield. So looking like an RB1 the rest of the way, at least for the rest of this season, and like I said, has all the trust of Arians and that coaching staff. Speaking of trust, Antonio Brown certainly has that of Tom Brady. Nine catches, 93 yards, and a score on 13 targets. Godwin, five for 43. Mike Evans, two for 27. They'll have their days. We should talk about what happened after the game, guys. Zach Ertz, he was the tight end with Goddard sidelined. Uh, caught four passes, 29 yards, and a touchdown, but then says so long to, to Philadelphia, traded to the Cardinals. We got to react to this because as a dynasty manager immediately, Ryan, when I saw it, I thought, wow, this I think this makes Zach Ertz a playable asset. Somebody that could you could see finishing in the top 12 at tight end on a week-in, week-out basis in a very good offense in Arizona that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. The, the other way to think about this maybe is what to do with Dallas Goddard because there'll be more opportunities for him, of course, too. But everybody's thinking that right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good news for both of these guys. And it, it was really rumored and, and almost expected all offseason that Ertz would be moved, whether it was a trade or maybe even just getting cut. And, and of course, it took a little longer than maybe we expected. So I think it's good news for both of these guys. I think they're both um, mid-range tight end ones moving forward. Um, at their age, both of these guys in a contract year, I would I would take the uh, – take the chance to sell both of them if if I'm getting offers because honestly they just haven't been impressive I'm worried about Goddard in that Philly offense we talked about last week Hertz and and Devontae Smith were really the only ones you want to start on a weekly basis I still think that's the case so uh, if, if this transaction this trade opens up uh, a trade window for either Ertz or Goddard in in dynasty leagues I'm I'm taking advantage 
Mm, I'm probably holding Goddard. I'm still pretty excited about his upside, but if I can get anything out of Ertz, I'm certainly going to do that. Even if he does make a big impact in Arizona in the second half of the season, there's all the questions around his his contract and where he's going to land next year. So I'd be happy to get anything out of that. We need to move to the Sunday games, guys. Uh, and that early game, that one in London, that was a pretty good one. At least ended pretty pretty entertainingly, I guess, if that's a word. Uh, the Jaguars win 23-20, to two late long field goals to cap off their first win since the first game of last season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Trevor Lawrence goes over 300 yards, throws the touchdown to Marvin Jones. Jones himself goes over 100 yards. That looked pretty good. And then James Robinson, Matt, uh, once again, kind of carrying the mail for the Jags. 17 carries, 73 yards, and a score but also caught three passes for 28 yards. He seems to be what makes that offense tick when it is ticking. Yeah, and I think I can't remember if we talked about it on here. I heard another podcast or whatever, but like it seems like a great a, a great comp to him uh, to Chris Carson. You know, these undrafted or late round drafted guys that that are productive uh, earlier in their career, and they're always kind of looking over their shoulder, but nobody's ever really able to take over that job. And it just kind of feels like that with every productive game we have with him, it just feels. Pretty unlikely that Travis Etienne is going to come back to a role where he completely takes over the backfield, right? Uh, he's going to have to deal with a new coaching staff next year, dodging that, you know, depending on how the new coaching staff feels about either of those running backs, right? Um, but so far this year, uh, after those the, the week one and week two where we saw Carlos Hyde uh, more involved in the offense, James Robinson's been a running back one each and every week, running back four, running back eight, running back 12, running back 10 this week. Uh, so, uh, you know, finishing in that that six to five, five to 10 range pretty much every every single week. 17 of the 19 carries today, and the other two were by Trevor Lawrence. So 100% of the, of the, of the backfield touches today. Uh, and then, you know, going, I thought, you know, maybe we probably can't buy this guy anymore, right? But going to the trade finder again, we find uh, all kinds of good deals. I think uh, Brandon Ayuk, who's obviously fallen off a cliff, but, you know, maybe you feel st- strongly about him. But Ayuk and Amon Ross St. Brown for uh, for James Robinson, I feel like I would do that if I was looking for running back production. Robert Woods straight up, you know, if you want to get out of an old receiver, you know, obviously still productive, but if you need that running back production, that's a deal you could make uh, for a second, single second multiple times, uh, also a single first multiple times. Jeez. So, uh, you know, the, the prices are a little bit all over the place, but it seems like there are deals to be had. So if you're hurting at running back, like I think most of us are at this point, uh, you know, certainly worth investigating the roster that he's on and seeing if you can pry him off of there for a price that you're as agreeable to you it feels like there's still an etn cloud kind of hovering over his value um and that's gonna that's gonna remain throughout this season and especially into next off season but man you're you're gonna buy him at some of those prices feel like a big discount Mm -hmm. and you're gonna get all this production for the rest of this season so especially for contenders that feels like a big he's just never going to have the value i think that like in terms of dynasty value, trade value that he probably deserves when you look at the production he's going to give you. Kind of the Chris Carson <laughs> yeah. effect, right, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Matt made a good point. I think it was uh, I think it was Ken Kelly that said that a couple weeks ago when he was our guest host. I believe mm-hmm. that was him that made that comparison, and and I agree. And I mean, we we treat and we value guys like Carson and Robinson that way because we're we're unsure about their future, about their long-term viability. And because of that, it, it really ends up being like a, a, an old running back situation, right? Like we treat them like they're 29 years old and, and they're on their last legs. And obviously that's, that's far from the case. So uh, I'm, I'm with Matt. If you can uh, grab James Robinson on the cheap, I think that's a good idea. Uh, well, if you're getting them for a second, you should oh, buy two copies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, also in this game, we, we got Tua Tungavaloa back on the field after yeah. his stint on IR. I was really impressed with him. Um, I thought for the first time this year, he looked comfortable in the game. Um, had, a, had a pretty solid stat line as well, over 300 yards, couple touchdowns, and did that without Will Fuller, without uh, Devontae Parker, both of those guys out with injuries, and hopefully we'll see them back soon. Uh, but yeah, I was I was pretty encouraged, I have to say, about what I saw from Tua. I thought a lot of the same thing. I you hit the nail on the head 
He's comfortable. He looked a lot more comfortable delivering the ball on time. He looked like he was scrambling in the right instances and getting outside the pocket, still looking down the field, finding Mike Gusecki, finding Jalen Waddell, and, and even Mac Hollins, who was filling in. He caught four passes today. Gusecki went eight for 115. That was a pleasant surprise, I would say, for many of his dynasty managers that stuck with him. And then Jalen Waddell, kind of a mini breakout for him. The two scores are a lot of fun to watch. Scored early, scored late. But guys, 13 targets for Jalen Waddell. A lot of them around the line of scrimmage. Caught 10 of them for 70 yards and the two scores. Man, he looked he looked good. He was uncovering quickly for Tua Tungvaloa. And honestly, I think a lot of the credit for Tua looking so comfortable falls right on the shoulders of Jalen Waddell because he was open right away. First read, Jalen Waddell, get the ball out of his hands and let him make a little bit, gain some yards after the catch. Waddle did that uh, 10 times on Sunday over there in London and looked real good doing it. So I'm excited about getting him into lineups. I have him all over the place. He's a nice wide receiver three with some upside moving forward. Let's talk about the Ravens and the Chargers. This one wasn't much of a game. The Ravens made a statement, guys. 34-6. to The Chargers, they couldn't get anything going. Lamar, he, you know, really the whole Ravens team, there wasn't really a, a big fantasy player Throughout the entire day, Lamar 167 and a touchdown through two picks, added 51 yards on the ground. That was fine. Mark Andrews, 5 for 68 and 1. That was pretty good. We're good with that. Marquise Brown dropped a touchdown. Other than that, he went 4 for 35, so a little bit disappointing. You know, the Ravens run that running back by committee. Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray, even Le'Veon Bell, they all get into the end zone. They just get two catches on the entire game, so... None of them we can look at as, wow, maybe we can play them as a RB2 or a flex. There's just not anything really great about that Ravens offense as far as fantasy goes this week. Maybe there's a little bit of silver lining, though, Matt, because there was a rookie that got on the field for the first time. Yeah, you know, nothing super impressive. Uh, I think he had four catches, 29 yards, something like that, 30 yards, something like that. Um, but, you know, it was nice to see him on the field and, and a part of this offense. And, you know, I, I'm not necessarily going to say he's the wide receiver one going forward. I think Brown has played out of his mind for the most part this season. Today, like you said, was a little bit down. But Chargers didn't really have any answers for, for them. So there wasn't really a need to, to air it out too much. Obviously, the drop touchdown, you never want to see that. And he's had a few of those this season. Um, but... Uh, you know, I think Bateman is po- is is poised to you know be heavily involved in this offense, and we'll have to wait and see if he's going to take over, or there will be enough volume to support all three of these uh, guys when you throw Andrews in there. Lots of short yeah. targets for Bateman, four catches for twenty nine yards. Ryan, what were your thoughts on the rookie? I was pretty impressed. Of course, in that first game back, I mean, entering the weekend, there was there was we weren't even sure if. He was going to be on the field if he was going to make his debut. So uh, impressed overall. He, he was tied for the lead in targets for the Ravens. That's a good start. Uh, the question that we had when they when they drafted Bateman was, can Lamar Jackson and can this this Baltimore offense support three pass catchers? We've seen Mark Andrews really step up, especially over the past couple of weeks, and and kind of live up to his. Um, his preseason billing and, and what we expected from him. And now it's, it's going to be that battle because I, I'm not sure we're going to see all three of those guys produce on a weekly basis. Maybe it does become a, um, you know, somewhat of a sharing situation or a back and forth on a weekly basis between Bateman and Hollywood. Yeah. And maybe, maybe Andrews is part of that too. One, all three of them can't get, get a big chunk every single week but if they spread it out week in and week out hopefully we're happy with the with the final grade at the end of the season for the Chargers Justin Herbert had a down game for sure Uh, not very accurate as a whole 195 yards a touchdown and a pick Uh, Austin Eckler couldn't get, get it going on the ground six for seven on the ground uh, four catches for 48. So that's a disappointment. Keenan Allen, the same five for 50. Mike Williams, two for 27. Jared Cook got the touchdown. So I guess if you played him, he's fine. Matt, Tyson Williams, once again, nowhere to be seen. He's 
he, they don't need him on Sundays. Apparently. Gosh, it's, it's so frustrating. I feel like when we saw him <laughs> earlier in the season, like we saw a player that was explosive, was a great pass catcher. Like if you combined all the, the carries today, 26 carries and four targets split between Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray and Love Bell and gave all of that to Tyson Williams, we'd probably be looking at a, you know, a high end running back too at the least. So at the very least. So uh, just frustrating, healthy scratch again today, also a healthy scratch in week four. Uh, so I I don't I don't get it. Why I don't know why they're why are they even paying these veterans that much? Maybe you keep one or two of them around for for depth, you know. But I don't I, don't, I have no answers here. Well, they're they're not paying them very much, and right. they're not paying them very much. And the the most important thing player on this team is is Lamar Jackson, and they need him to run. They don't need these running backs to run. They just need them to keep Lamar safe, and they're going to trust Freeman or Bell or. Um, you know, Murray a, a lot more than, than Tyson Williams. So uh, that's r- really none of these guys. And unless you're in, in a deeper dynasty does, league, none of those four are really worth a roster does, spot. Does, at this, does this point. make you feel like if, even if uh, either Gus, Gus, uh, Gus Williams or Gus Williams, Gus, God, Gus, Gus Edwards, Edwards, geez, Gus, see, he's been Gus gone Williams. forever. I don't even remember his name anymore. Uh, or J.K. Dobbins, <laughs> like if if either of them were still around, do you feel like it would be any different? Would they be rotating backs like this? Does this make us feel like we're we're a little bit less confident that when Dobbins does come back next season, that he is going to take over? You know, a, I mean, probably the lead role for sure, but a significant lead role. Like it, it just brings all these extra questions into my mind. I, I think those are fair concerns, um, and, and there was a little bit of. Even before the injuries to those two, I think there were concerns for Dobbins, whether it was because of Edwards or uh, the the running back work in the passing game, which we know Baltimore never <laughs> never really does, and they're still not. Um, yeah, I, I think it's fair to be worried. I mean, I don't think Edwards really has any dynasty value at all, and, and I, it's fair to be excuse me, it's fair to be worried about Dobbins. Like any right first? Now. Are you taking for Dobbins yeah, I, I, right now? Any first? Yeah, yeah, I'm taking a first. Yeah, yep, you're probably taking a first for him at this point. Um, let's jump over to the Vikings and the Panthers, guys. Uh, the Vikings outlast Carolina 34-28. to 28. And if you had a Viking in your lineup, you're probably pretty happy because they they got about four guys that you start. Kirk Cousins, if you're in a super flex league, 373 and three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, of course, 29 carries for 140 yards and a touchdown in his return. And then Thielen and Jefferson, well, Thielen went 11 for 126 and a score on 13 targets. Justin Jefferson, 8 for 80. Didn't score, but that'll do on 14 targets. And even the next guy in line, probably, K.J. Osborne, 6 for 78 and 1. That Vikings offense did their job for fantasy managers, Ryan. Yeah, a little bit propped up there with the overtime, but yeah, they they definitely produced as as we would hope. Uh, I was I was mostly impressed with Dalvin Cook. Um, was mm-hmm. was iffy coming into the game. Actually, both he and uh, Alexander Madison were uncertain earlier in the week to play, uh, but but Cook dominated this backfield. Played sixty six snaps compared to just twelve for Alexander Madison. Uh, so this is this is Cook's backfield once again. Uh, no no concerns of a of a split, and uh, he's obviously healthy. So uh, I mean, moving forward, he has to be really has to be back in that RB one conversation overall in Dynasty because of the injuries to McCaffrey and and other players. Yeah, you mentioned Madison, just three carries for him for 10 yards. So if you played him hoping he gets a little share of that pie, he did not. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey there, guys. Seems to be that maybe that was a setback this week that that put him on IR. He's going to miss at least three games, including Sundays against the Vikings. So a couple more weeks of this now. And we're, we're starting to hear that injury uh, plague and all those kind of words when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. So you you just mentioned Delvin Cook as a consideration as the 101 in a in a dynasty startup now, right right now, Ryan. Um, where does McCaffrey fall in that? You, you got to think about it. But man, these injuries got to make you think twice. Yeah, he's, he's still certainly in the conversation. And uh, in our October uh, ADP that just hit the side. He is the 101. Of course, that was um, that was before this setback. And and I, I, even though it's you know it's just three weeks, you could think about it like that. And we assume he's going to be back on the field at that point. It, it's just kind of another 
another piece of the puzzle that has been frustrating to to fantasy players over the past couple of years. And obviously when he's on the field, he's, he's great, but um, he hadn't been on the field much in the past two seasons. So there's so many options when you're thinking about the RB one or the overall one Oh one in a dynasty startup at this point for me, the one Oh one would be a wide receiver, you know, take your pick. If it's Jefferson or lamb or chase or um, you know, whoever it might be DK, even, I guess maybe some people would, would still go with, but um, I'm kind of going back five or six years to when wide receivers reigned in that first round. I, I feel like that's the point we're getting to. Matt, if you're doing a startup today, are you taking McCaffrey? Man, it's so tough. I, I, I'm probably, I'm probably not. I'm probably not taking any running back in the first round, to be honest with you. And I was going to say, like what Ryan just, just, just commented on. It feels like we're going back to what, like 2015, 2014, when there was literally no running backs we wanted to take in like the first three rounds. Uh, like we got, we got these, we got these, this influx of talent with McCaffrey and and Cook and, and Barkley and all these in you know 2017, 2018 classes, and and we thought we were back to running back in the first round that's what we've been doing the last two years but uh now we're going back to before that it feels like and we were right <laughs> we were right stick with stick with the wide receivers obviously the elite running back is 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 fantastic and league winner and you need them uh, you know to, to to actually make that that big title run but it's it's clear more than ever that this is the last piece you add and in a startup draft like why are you adding that piece first you said it, buddy. The last piece you had, you can find those guys. The guys who, who had the pieces all around and then went and got Daryl Henderson, they, that, well, that roster that. looks pretty yeah. good right now. So Leonard Fournette, same kind of thing. Um, we should talk about Chuba Hubbard a little bit real quickly, guys. 16 carries, 61 yards. He scored just a one catch in the game. I wrote the rookie report card last week and featured Hubbard in that one, and I came away after studying all of his carries and, and going back to what I thought about him after or, or pre-NFL draft, and I'm ready to sell him if I can get anything, especially with this McCaffrey news. If I can get a second for him, I'm taking that at this point. What are your thoughts, Ryan? I think I would agree. Um, he's, you know, he he's a band aid at best. I don't think mm. he's a guy who's ever going to be a uh, a long term fantasy starter. So yeah, I, I mean, a second may be a little low at this point. Um, I would try to try to aim higher. Uh, but, yeah, but ultimately, yeah, I'd probably take the pick. Yeah, he, he seems like a replacement level player to yeah. me. N- nothing special. Nothing. Uh, Nothing that's going to jump off the page and win you a title. So I'd be moving on, if, especially if I picked him in the third and I can get a second now. Maybe I do shoot a little bit higher to start, but I'd, I'd be okay with a second-round pick. How about the Packers and the Bears, guys? Uh, Aaron Rodgers still owns the Bears, Matt. Uh, Packers went 24-14. to 14. Rodgers, 195-2, and two, added a rushing score as well. Aaron Jones... 13 for 76, four catches for 34 and a touchdown. So he was good as well. Um, But, you know, Adams was okay, four for 89 on five targets. But that's really it when it comes to this Packers offense, Ryan. It's it's on repeat every single week. If you don't have those three guys and maybe A.J. Dillon for a little bit of long-term play, there's really nothing else to be had here. Yeah, I was think as I was thinking about this game and this Packers team and what we saw on Sunday, it really did feel exactly like the points that I talked about last week and that we all talked about last week. AJ Dillon is eating into Aaron Jones' workload. That's bad news for Jones, good news for Dillon. Uh, Robert Tunyon, I said not to drop him last week. I think I'm ready to drop him at this point. Um, I, I I still don't get it. I don't know why they're not making more use of him, but they're not. His catch rate is is uh embarrassing this year after catching nearly 90 percent of his his targets a year ago so i'm i'm done with tunyon uh alan lazard though i I was fairly impressed with today at least from a usage standpoint there's there's always that question of who is the packers wide receiver too it was definitely him today basically matched uh adams in in number of snaps and routes run caught that little touchdown from aaron Rodgers. Pretty pretty good day for Alan Lazard. 
Yeah, he did a lot of blocking from what I see. And, you know, when the Packers are ahead, Lazard's always on the field because he's the best blocker of the group. But that does get him opportunities in the passing game. Only 17 receptions for the entire team. That's that's rare for a Rodgers-led team for him to complete just 17 on 23 throws. Uh, that's all they really needed this week. Matt, you, you were interested in the recent usage of A.J. Dillon uh, again this week, 11 carries for 59 yards. Looked good doing it, for sure. He was definitely the closer down the stretch. And if the Packers are in the lead, they want to hand it to the big guy back there. Yeah, we talked about it earlier in, in the offseason, too, about how they finally have this guy that can close out games for a team that has had trouble closing out games in the past. And and Ryan kind of kind of put it out there. Uh, and my question was, do these double-digit games actually, carry games actually worry you? And to me, I, I don't feel worried yet if I'm an Aaron Jones uh, manager because he's still getting 60 plus percent of the snaps he's had it in basically every single uh, game this this year 69 percent twice 63 once 73 percent in week three so while while Dylan is getting these you know these later in the game catches and kind of salt or excuse me carries and salting the game away like I, I feel like it's not really that different than the usage with Jamal Williams the last couple of years you know obviously a different role where where he's taking more where Williams was taking more of the passing down work and things like that uh, but but so so I, I guess I'm, I'm excited to have to have Dylan if I have him on my team. But if I'm an Aaron Jones manager, I'm not not worried about it. I'm still going to keep playing him every week. He's he has he has these volatile weeks, right? This is kind of a floor game for him, maybe a little bit higher than a floor. But we know that he has these games uh, where he has four touchdowns uh, like he did a few weeks ago. So uh, usage in terms of the end of the game, I guess, is concerning for his ultimate upside. But I, I, I have a feeling that if the Packers are playing a close game uh, that deep and they're not playing a, a team that has the uh, as the fourth best team when you just for schedule against the run uh, that that Jones is going to be on the field for those really high value situations so uh, I'm, I'm not personally worried but it sounds like you guys maybe are a little bit more I, I am and and on on Sunday Jones played 35 snaps AJ Dillon played 25 I, I believe that's the closest that yep. gap has been other than the uh, other than the blowout a couple weeks ago um and you, I mean, you said it that this is just like it was with Jamal Williams. Yeah, I agree. But we were hoping that this would be the year uh, Aaron Jones had that that full workhorse uh, role, and and he's not going to have that. So I do think I think you're right that it is going to, uh, even though Dylan's a different type of player versus Jamal Williams, I think it's going to remind us usage wise and uh, opportunity wise of that time over the past two or three years. Yeah, I'm not worried, but I'm certainly watching with a raised eyebrow, a little, little <laughs> slight concern, I would say. And it, it's just what the Packers want to do. They want to save Jones for the end of the year when they really want him. So we need to get used to it. This is how it's going to be. Now, when they need him to, to be a big time player and, and touch the ball a lot, I believe that they will. That might not come till late in the season, might come against these these big games they have coming up on the schedule as well. We should talk about the Bears real fast, guys. Justin Fields ran a little bit more, so I guess that provided a little bit of that floor that we get excited about with these rushing quarterbacks. Six carries for 43 yards, a lot of that coming on scrambles. Uh, in fact, all of it, I think. No, no real designed runs for him. Um, 174 passing yards, did have the touchdown pass to Darnell Mooney, which was a nice read, found him and got him the football. The other guy to talk about is Khalil Herbert. He got his chance to shine. 19 carries, 97 yards, and a score. It felt like he got about 70 of that in the first <laughs> quarter. And then they then they said, well, we don't need to give him the ball anymore. So I didn't love that, but we never love what that coaching staff does as far as their, their playmakers when they do get them. Uh, let's jump over to Cincinnati and Detroit. The Bengals win this one 34-11. Joe Burrow, 271 and three touchdowns. Also added 20 rushing yards. And Joe Mixon, man, he looked good. He's not injured anymore. List doesn't play like it. 18 carries, 94 yards, and five catches for 59 and a score. So the, the Bengals really did what we wanted them to do. Jamar Chase was good. Four for 97. Didn't find Pater, but that's that's going to happen, of course. I think if there's a story here, maybe it's with the Bengals, Ryan, it's got to be surrounding these three wide receivers that we always talk about week in and week out. I mentioned Chase's stat line. Uh, T. Higgins, three for 44. It's pretty disappointing. And then Tyler Boyd, three targets, just one catch for seven yards, Ryan. 
Yeah, quiet game for Boyd, but again, the usage was there. His, his routes run, his his um, number of snaps were in line with T. Higgins. So I'm I'm mostly viewing this as a fluke. I mean, this Bengals team was up big most of the game, so I'm not too worried yet. I, I wouldn't say I'm ready to buy Tyler Boyd at a discount, but if I've got him, I'm not I'm not panicking and dropping him quite yet. It- for the Lions, uh, head coach Dan Campbell, he he was critical of of quarterback Jared Goff after the game. Said he needs to make some big plays. Just twenty eight of forty two for two hundred and two yards, no touchdowns and a pick on Sunday against the Bengals, who have a improving defense, but I wouldn't say they're they're you know top quarter of the league or anything like that. The rest of the team, just not a lot of production. TJ Hawkinson was good, eight catches for 74. Um, DeAndre Swift couldn't get anything going on the ground. Jamal Williams didn't even get a chance, it seemed like, in the game. Swift caught five for 43 and had that rushing touchdown at the end to save his fantasy day. I don't know what's going on with this team, Ryan. Is there any takeaways from what's happening in Detroit? Well, I think they're, I mean, they're clearly in a bad spot. Uh, that was a tough loss that they had um, mm. a week ago. They had a couple of them. Uh, right. Yeah. They, they have had a couple of them too. I guess two, uh, you know, buzzer beaters, those last second field goals, uh, tough ways to lose. And then uh, really their other games, mostly they have not even been competitive. Uh, what we've seen in most weeks uh, with this team is is kind of an even split with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. We did not see that on Sunday. Swift uh, took control. I don't know if that was an injury situation with Jamal Williams. He was, uh, like so many other players, banged up coming into this game. But uh, definitely his lowest usage of the year, just 19 snaps compared to 49 for DeAndre Swift. Uh, and he ran 10 routes compared to 32 for Swift. So, like you said, didn't didn't really get a chance to get anything going. And uh, he's he's been a productive player for fantasy managers and, and one of those running backs that if you are building around or have built around wide receivers ha- has maybe been helping you get a win. So even though we don't think of him as a, as a valuable long-term asset, he's, he's been pretty important this season and we'll have to really just kind of see what, what happens moving forward to see if this was the beginning of a shift to, uh, to Swift or if this is just kind of a fluke injury situation with Williams. Well, as a Swift truther, I'm hoping the shift is on. And we're, we're about to see a lot of DeAndre Swift. We'll see what happens there. Goff just... He doesn't push the ball down the field. Lots of dink and dunk passing. Once again, under five yards per attempt. Just 202 yards through the air. And you see Khalif Raymond run a cross, short crossing route. Or Amon Ross St. Brown stop at you know five yards downfield and turn around and catch it and fall down. That is their offense outside of the screen game with Swift and TJ Hawkinson trying to get downfield a little bit. So investing in this offense... Doesn't look like uh, doesn't look like it's going to be a good thing for for dynasty managers at least in the short term. But we knew that the Colts they did what they were supposed to do this week. Got that win. Colts win thirty one to three against Houston. Carson Wentz two twenty three and two. Jonathan Taylor was impressive on just fourteen carries, one hundred and forty five yards and two scores. Added a, one reception for thirteen. I tell you what, guys, that offensive line, we were pretty critical of them early in the season, and they've looked a lot better the last couple of weeks. Wentz was looking a lot more comfortable. Looked good on Monday Night Football last week. Looked good once again this week. Didn't throw an interception. Threw the two touchdowns. He's slowly becoming startable again. A guy that we can consider in in even one quarterback leagues. Uh, Certainly an option in super flex in two quarterback leagues. Uh, looking a little bit closer. He's not that guy yet, but a little bit closer to that MVP candidate that he was a few years back in Philadelphia. For the uh, Texans, nothing really to get excited about here. As always, it seems, Brandon Cooks, 9 for 89 on 13 targets. I I guess that's something. Ryan, do you have any takeaways from this ballgame? Uh, well, this was another team that got an injured player back. In fact, we saw that, uh, we saw that, be the case on both sides of the ball here with the Colts and Texans. But uh, the Texans got rookie Nico Collins back on the field after his time on IR. It immediately looked like the wide receiver too. I know some dynasty managers were maybe chasing 
Chris Moore or Chris Conley last uh, after last week's games. And, you know, those, those are not guys you want on your roster, but uh, Nico Collins is. So uh, a, a guy worthy of looking at if he hit the waiver wire in a shallow dynasty league, scoop him up. Paris Campbell caught a long touchdown. That was exciting for, for guys like me who have him on all those rosters. And then he went out. He yeah. was injured. So that was not exciting. How about the Rams? They uh, they handled the Giants 38-11. to Stafford was great. MVP candidate kind of stuff. Once again, 251 yards and four touchdowns. Spread it out well. But, Matt, it was Cooper Cup. It was Cooper Cup's day once again. Nine catches, 130 yards, two scores, and 12 target. Your boy Cooper Cup. Man, he's he's, he's good. He's pretty good. Uh, Sixty-eight targets in six games. I mean, is this is this going to be the? I, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me to see if he is the most targeted wide receiver in the league currently. I assume that he is, uh, but you know, is he the first one that's going to get two hundred targets in a game with this or in the season with this extra game we have this year? Um, I've I've moved him up to wide receiver thirteen, which probably feels a little bit pricey i would guess for for some people but that's just behind uh terry mclaurin and chris godwin and stefan diggs just ahead of guys like uh, amari cooper and and keenan allen the next group there um and i i thought you probably couldn't buy him either but the deal seemed still pretty reasonable for him i mean maybe it changes after this week but he's been amazing all season so can't imagine this performance necessarily uh, uh changes his price that much uh going to the trade finder again juju and J- jacoby myers and a 2022 first all all day for that rugs 2022 second and a 2024 first all day for that cup and uh for a f- 2022 first and jeremy mcdickles Cup and Schultz for a single 2022 first. What are you guys doing? I mean, these are actual trades that are happening. We don't have the details of the league. Maybe there's uh, different circumstances. I don't know. Uh, But, I mean, come on. This this is a guy that is you should be getting for, I think, two firsts, like – at least two firsts, right? Am, am, am I off on that? Like, I personally am not selling for two no, firsts. No, you're not off. Like, like I'm buying. Like, I'm probably going to go ahead and if I'm a contender and I need a wide receiver to put me over the top, like I'm fine giving away my next two firsts, especially if one of them is in 2024 uh, for a player like Cooper Cup, who's going to have double digit targets seemingly every single week, even with Robert Woods uh, having a pretty good game this week and last week. So. Uh, go go buy Cooper Cup or at least try. If if his prices are really this low, just because he's twenty eight years old, like, I mean, he 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 could be a part of a league winning combination. I think on your team. Let's not talk about twenty eight year old wide receivers as if they're uh, right. twenty eight year old running right. backs either. <laughs> These guys play into their early and mid to mid thirties all the time, especially guys like Cup who let's face it, there's guys who know how to get down and, and get away from those big hits and all those things. He runs the middle of the field, but you regularly see him catch the ball and protect his body, but knows when the big play is there too. And we've seen that all all the time, every single week this year, even when they had the the um, the Robert Woods game where they had to get him the ball, Cup still caught like nine passes for 100 yards in that one. So he's, he's one of the most consistent receivers in the league right up there with Devonte adams and, and and a few others so i couldn't agree more cooper cup he's in his prime at 28 years old and now he's attached to a great offense and an elite type of quarterback yeah cup uh matt D- cup does lead the league in targets 67 uh, 66 for uh your all's boy Devonte yeah. adams uh so cup leads the way there also i mentioned that new adp we have on the site uh according to that cup is the wide receiver 11 mm-hmm. 26th mm, player low. overall, so an early early third rounder, and he's now in that wide receiver one range. We talk about 27, 28-year-old wide receivers, Diggs, Tyreek Hill, both 27 years old, uh, just ranking ahead of him, and Devontae Adams is the wide receiver four at 28 years old. So like you guys both said, don't don't be afraid of that. Yeah, these guys played a th- 31 is like the minimum. A lot most of these guys have a nice age 31 season. I know there's some exceptions to that rule, but holy cow, uh, he looks really good. Speaking of looking good in a Rams uniform, Daryl Henderson, 21 carries, 78 yards and a score. Also had a brilliant touchdown reception over the shoulder. Mm. Man, that was sick. Two catches, 29 in that touchdown. Daryl Henderson, R- Ryan, this week we got a offer from somebody for Daryl Henderson that that said. How about a second round pick for Daryl Henderson for for a rental? And both of us kind of kind of thought about that. Really, there's people out there that think Henderson is a rental. Don't be that guy. He's no rental. Uh, th- he looks like the real deal over there in Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, we we talked about it uh, in a in a 
off the air conversation, Dan, last week, and you made the point that Henderson is what we wanted Cam Akers to be. I, I, I included that in, in one of my articles last week, and I think I think you made a great point. Uh, I've seen some encouragement lately uh, about Cam Akers because of the play of Marlon Mack and the return of Marlon Mack, and uh, yep. that, that helps. You know, that makes me feel a little bit better, but, you know, there's – there's no certainty obviously that uh, one player is going to return just like a- another did. So there, there still have to be big questions about the future of cam acres. Um, and yeah, Henderson is, is what we wanted him to be performance wise. So uh, if anything, this guy is undervalued. I would not sell him for any second rounder. Yeah, no way. Uh, speaking of guys that were, that are worth a first Kadarius Tony after those, Two real big games, uh, three catches for 36 yards on three targets. He went down early. So he was on pace for another big game, Ryan. And I think all of us as dynasty managers just rolled our eyes like, really? <laughs> the one thing in New York right now to get excited about? And down he goes. You're muted, bud. That was frustrating. I know there were a lot yeah. of people counting on Tony. I know uh, I had him in a couple of my lineups. So I'll, always a, a bummer to see a guy go down with an injury early in the game. He did. He gave us a little bit, like you said, with those early catches. Um, this is, uh, unfortunately, it's good news for Sterling Shepard, who was back in the lineup and really just picked up right where he left off. He got, drew 14 targets, caught 10 of them for 76 yards even though Daniel Jones had a had a pretty terrible day. Um, so, yeah, Shepard, again, looks like a guy you can just uh, insert into your lineup and count on him as, for wide receiver three numbers. Yeah, he's only been active three times this year, and he's put up big numbers in all three of them. So somebody Shepard. we can count on maybe there, Daniel Jones. Maybe wasn't ready to come back. I don't know what the deal was, but wasn't turning the ball over. Coming into this game, through the three picks, a couple of them were really ugly. Uh, and, and just didn't look like the same guy who's been, who's been under center for the Giants the, the first five weeks of the season. Uh, let's jump over to the Chiefs and the football team. Kansas City wins this one 31-13. Patrick Mahomes, 397 yards and two touchdowns. Also threw two picks and ran for 31 yards in this one, but spread it out to everybody. Kelsey got his, 8 for 99. Tyreek went 9 for 76 and a score. Man, Patrick Mahomes makes a couple... Goofy throws every single game, it seems, this year. I heard somebody say this week that last year he threw the six picks and and he threw 20 passes that were considered drops by defenders. So, you know, I know defenders aren't going to catch them all. That seems like a pretty high drop rate, even for defensive players. I'm wondering if, you know, I remember back to last season, he made a lot of boneheaded throws and, and kind of got away with them. And then we just said, wow, it doesn't matter. He makes up for it. In the fantasy game, he makes up for it. But that's something from an NFL perspective that he needs to clean up. Uh, luckily, those things happened today uh, in a win for the for the Chiefs. Um, Ryan, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Antonio Gibson injury. He had 10 carries for 44 yards but went down, and then McKissick comes in and has eight carries for 45 and catches eight passes. What are you hearing about Gibson, and, and how does this affect everything there in Washington moving forward? Yeah, it's not good, uh, obviously. Um, I mean, Gibson is dealing with a stress fracture in his shin. Uh, we knew that coming in. He's played with it for for a couple weeks, has not been effective. Uh, there's been a lot of frustration out there, I know, uh, about the play of Gibson. And this is, I think this is largely what it's all about, is, is this injury. He actually left this game two different times, did not return uh, the second time with this injury. And uh we have to kind of be prepared for, for him to miss more time moving forward. This is, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I would assume this is not an injury that, you know, heals up if you're continuing to try to play on it. Um, so it's, I think it's, it's bad news for Gibson. It's good news for J.D. McKissick. We don't think of him as a feature back, but uh, he took over that role with, uh, with Gibson out of the lineup. Yeah, we'll see if Jarrett Patterson gets any more work moving forward. Um, Matt, I wanted to ask you about Daryl Williams because the stat line looks good, 62 yards and two scores, but it took 21 carries. Uh, he also caught a few passes. That all looks good, but really, if you watch the game, he looked like just a guy. He, he did, but he's getting, you know, he's getting into the end zone on those goal line touches, which is something that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like, 
you know, I think his very first game of his career, he had like six attempts at the goal line and couldn't get in, right? So it's been a problem for him. Uh, and a tweet from our, our buddy Ken Kelly today said that Daryl Williams had 24.9 points today in his first career start, which is more than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has ever had in a single game in his career. Uh, his best so far this season is 19.4 points in week four. And then last season had two games of, of just over 20 points. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying panic on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire necessarily, uh, but you know he could obviously could not fulfill those expectations we placed on him uh, at the beginning of last season, and then this year when he dropped into the third round, second late second, third early third round of startups, uh, we thought, oh, that's a more palatable price. But it kind of feels like he's going to fall even farther. So I guess my question for you guys is: Is Clyde Edwards Hilaire a, a buy at this point? I think he's definitely a buy. He's kind of starting to remind me of what we did with Leonard Fournette, yeah. uh, where, where Fournette was valued as a really as a high-end RB1 and then struggled to produce and and we know how this story has gone um now whether it takes a a, a new team to really um see Clyde Edwards-Helaire uh succeed I, I don't know uh but I do know I want to take advantage of these prices I think the presumption after this game is is going to be that the Chiefs were better with Williams than they were with Edwards Hilaire. And like Dan said, I don't I don't necessarily think that's the case. Ricky Seals Jones was good in this one for Washington, four for fifty-eight and a score. Terry McLaurin, a little bit of a disappointment, four for twenty-eight. I think I can speak for all dynasty managers when I say that we are waiting for Fitz Magic to get back. Uh, guys, we're sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world. Instead of spending your time building elaborate salary cap rosters or competing against professional players, you can explore unique, fun, easy-to-play games like More or Less, Knockout Kings, Eagle Eye, Goal Rush, or TD Dance. Play any of the major sports such as the NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB, as well as UFC, NASCAR, golf, soccer, and various college sports without competing against all those sharks. Right now, you can open a new Monkey Knife Fight account, make an initial deposit, and get a full year of DLF Premium for free. On top of that, if you use the promo code DLF, Monkey Knife Fights is going to match the initial deposit 100%, doubling your initial bankroll. So simply log on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. A few more games to get through, guys. Let's jump over to the Cardinals and Browns. Cardinals dominated this one. Kyler Murray threw four touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins caught two of them, although he only got four targets once again. And I think the main story here is James Conner. 16 carries, 71 yards. Also caught a pass. But Chase Edmonds, he was playing a complimentary role, guys. Uh, A lot like last year. Four carries for 46 yards. Did more with less. And then caught his three passes. So Edmonds, maybe the arrow pointing down just a little bit. Connor, he's had the big games recently. So the arrow is certainly pointing up for him. We'll have to see what happens there. How about on the other side of things in Cleveland? Kareem Hunt, oh man, he had his chance. And looked looked all right despite the score. 14 carries for 66 and caught three. But goes down with the hamstring. Grabs that hamstring or that calf, guys. Whatever it was. And Ryan, that... That doesn't look good. They're already missing Nick Chubb for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Chubb was already expected to miss, or he did miss this game, expected to miss next week as well. And now Hunt, uh, this injury looks pretty serious. Um, you know, had had to be carted off the field and then was quickly ruled out. Uh, sounds like some some MRIs coming early this week, and uh, I, I, I can't imagine that he is back on the field anytime within the next few weeks. So that leaves... Uh, Dearness Johnson, I think, is yep. next in line. <laughs> Demetric Felton, the rookie who's played a little running back, a little wide receiver. Uh, yeah, th- this team is in trouble after getting waxed on Sunday. Yeah, there uh, there'll be better days, of course. This um, th- this Arizona defense is pretty salty. They've played really well here recently, especially up front. Coming up. The, the Browns have the Broncos, then the Steelers, then the Bengals. So maybe better days ahead. Um, I'm picking up Dearness Johnson. If I haven't already, He's they're, they're still going to run the ball. That's what they like to do. In their passing game, um, Baker Mayfield, 234-2. and two. He, had a, he had an injury, too. He already came in with a left shoulder that was bothering him, got hit 
landed awkwardly on it, and that didn't look good. That's going to bother him for a while, it seems. OBJ, 5 for 79 on 8 targets. And then, Matt, Donovan Peoples-Jones caught 4 passes, including a Hail Mary at the end of the second uh, quarter for a touchdown. It was... I guess it's a good sign that DPJ comes up with four catches for 101 and the two touchdowns on five targets. Yeah, back-to-back really good games for him. 11 targets, nine catches, 171 yards, and two touchdowns over the last two weeks. You know, you don't want to call him the wide receiver one as long as OBJ there. And OBJ looks looks good to me. It just seems like him and Baker can't get on the same page at all. You know, Not, not as much today, but I remember specifically a play last week where we saw OBJ kind of throw his hands up in the air as the ball sailed over him. You know, it just seems like they can't get it get it together. And uh, DPJ is, is, is playing well, and the trades are very reasonable for for him as well third and a fourth round pick Alex Collins straight up uh, so somebody that we probably should have been adding cheap in the in the offseason uh, if, but if you haven't uh, there's still time to get on that train and you know Jarvis Landry is going to be back at some point and we'll have to see how the targets targets break down once uh, they're back to full strength uh, but definitely promising for to see him produce in two weeks in a row and keep in mind with Peoples Jones, he was a he had all yeah. the pedigree. He was that five star recruit, that guy that was the best receiver, high school receiver in the country, and it just never worked out in Michigan. So maybe there's something there. The Raiders they had something going on on Sunday. They beat the Broncos thirty four to twenty four. Despite all the coaching stuff and everything off the field, Derek Carr looked good. I didn't see this coming, guys. Three forty one and two. Josh Jacobs got involved on both ends, sixteen and fit for fifty three and a score. Kenyon Drake was a part of the offense. He scored a rushing and receiving touchdown. Uh, Henry Ruggs got deep a couple of times, three for ninety seven and a touchdown. And then Matt Darren Waller five catches. 59 yards. He was shut out for almost the whole first half. Then finally got involved a little bit. Caught all five of his targets, but this is not what we expected from Darren Waller, especially early in the season when he was getting double-digit targets. It's, it's not the same way. Is it defense? Is it the offense not doing the same? Is it Carr? What should we expect as dynasty managers going forward? I, I mean, I kind of feel like he's falling back to the pack a little bit. 19 targets in week, in week one, and we were like, we thought we were off to the races. And his, his targets aren't bad for a tight end, seven or eight in every single game, uh, other than that week one game, and then only five today, but caught all five of those. I think it's more that these wide receivers are finally stepping up. Henry Ruggs looked great today. You know, a lower lower target share, obviously only four today, um, uh, but looking good on those targets. So I think it's part of that, you know, Drake was involved today. Josh Jacobs is back healthy, and it just seems like there's more options than there was last season or even earlier this year. And, and when he is getting these high-volume games, he's not necessarily capitalizing on it. Uh, eight, eight targets last week, only caught four or seven in the previous uh, game, three games before that, only caught four or five of those. So he's not catching them at a super high percentage either, uh, and only two touchdowns. So I feel like he's falling back to the pack, and because of age and because of the upside of these younger players around him, you know, he's sliding back in my ranks a little bit. It felt like an easy top three of, of him and uh, uh, Kelsey and, and, and Kittle at one point. Now we've got Pitts up there. We've got Andrews coming on again. Uh, Hawkinson, obviously. So I think there's a conversation that he's behind all of those guys at this point. There was a tight end on the field that made an impact on Sunday in Denver. It was Noah Fant, nine catches for 97 and a score. So that's promising. He had 11 targets and looked good on him. Cortland Sutton, Sutton did a lot of the same, eight for 94 and a score on 14 targets. That backfield, we could spend a whole show on that backfield. What the heck is going on? Javante, 11 for 53. Melvin Gordon, 10 for 50. They need to they need to decide what they're going to do there. Uh, last game we got to talk about here, guys. The Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots go to overtime. Cowboys win this one, 35 to 29. Dak looked brilliant, 445 and three touchdowns. Zeke did his thing, 17 for 69 on the ground, but... For Dynasty managers, seven catches for 50 yards as well. Didn't find the end zone, but that doesn't matter when you catch seven balls. CeeDee Lamb was amazing, nine for 149 and two touchdowns, including the game winner. Dalton Schultz was good, five for 79. Amari Cooper, five for 55 is acceptable, I guess. This this Dallas offense, Ryan, everybody got theirs, really. There, there was nobody that you're truly disappointed on Sunday against the New England defense that's pretty good. Yeah, New, New England defense had been really strong uh, coming into this when it comes to allowing um, top 12 performances against uh, really all four positions. So it was, it was great to see the entire Cowboys offense continue to roll. Uh, a little bit concerning, though, Dak Prescott did suffer a, uh, a, a reportedly a calf injury. 
Uh, on the last play of the game, on that touchdown throw in overtime to C.D. Lamb, sounds like he will have to have some testing on that. Uh, they are on bye in week seven, I believe, so that's that's good news. Hopefully it is a minor injury and, and Dak doesn't miss time because, I mean, we saw we saw how things fell apart last season once he went out of the lineup. Yeah, not real good news for dynasty managers that are – are counting on these Cowboys because uh, there's so many good players on that team and we all got to be without them next week in week seven. Uh, speaking of buys next week, man, all, another one of those weeks with six buy, teams on buys. Seems like all the good teams and uh, plus the Jaguars are, are on, are on buy next week. That's brutal for the Patriots in this game. Guys, Damian Harris is just maddening. You think you got to figure it out. He fumbles. He's banged up all week. Might not play. And then 18 for 101 and a touchdown. Um, Kendrick Bourne catches the long touchdown. Jacoby Myers can't buy a touchdown. Scores a two two point conversion. Uh, that that team is the complete opposite. They're a pretty good team, but we're not excited about really anybody in our in our starting lineup every week. Any main takeaways from the week before we get out of here, Matt? Uh man. <laughs> Stop building teams around running backs. That's that's my takeaway from this week. We saw another <laughs> one with Kareem Hunt go down today, and it's just it's been brutal. I mean, I, I mean, I've had teams this season that looked locked in with that had all of these players like Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne, all of them on the same team, and you just feel like you're ready to go, and then the the rug gets pulled out from under you. So uh, I am I am not a fan of the running back position right now, and that's not something I would have said in the past. Ryan, you got anything for our guys? We're about halfway through the regular it's crazy. season. Insane. That's crazy to say. It just started. But any advice for the people out there? I think it's definitely time, maybe maybe past time, to take a good look at where you are in your standings. You know, on Tuesday morning, look look at where you are. Uh, don't just focus on your record. Look at those total points, uh, points allowed or points scored against you. Uh, you know, really be honest about that evaluation of uh, what the rest of the season is going to look like for you and then – uh, then start making moves, whether you're buying or selling. Yeah, including injuries. Also look at that all-play record. That's a nice feature on these sites where you can see how you're, how you're stacking up week to week against the rest of the league uh, and make, make it, like Ryan said, an honest decision of where you are in your standings. Well, we are honestly thrilled that you guys listened to another hour of the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week.